0: Norman, would you pray for our time in the word?
1: Father God, I just want to read from Psalm 27. Where they say, one thing I had desire of the Lord, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the day of my life, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, my God. So Father God, we are thankful that we can see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, my God. It is our desire to dwell in your house, my God. It is our desire to love you as you love us, Father God, because you first love us, Father. Father. It is our desire, Father God, that we will live by faith, my God, that we will live according to your will my Lord Jesus, that we will do exactly what you called us to do, Father God, to be your people, your chosen generation, your ambassador, my God, that we will proclaim the gospel, that we will tell others about the freedom that we have found in you and in you alone, my God there is freedom in Christ and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom, my God. Yes. If the Son set you free, you are free being Yes, Lord, Lord. Jesus, That's what you declare. That's what you told us, Father God. You told us to be the light of the world, Father God. You told us to be the salt, mm-hmm. Father God, to tell people about the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, Father God, that we can experience freedom my Lord Jesus. And for that, we give you glory and honor to your name, Father God, the privilege that we have that we can come together and worship you and Spirit and true Father God, Lord Jesus, right now we ask you, God, that you will move in this fellowship, Father God, that we will understand that, 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 that what you have called us to, to do, Father God, that, that 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 you oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are holy, 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 my God. There is no one like you, Lord Jesus. So, Lord, we ask you that you move in our life, that you move move, and our family members, that you would help us to go and tell the people around us, that, that our neighbors, uh, those who we see in the street, Father God, that you, you alone, Father God, are God, that you are the Messiah, that you are the yes. Son of God, that you are the King of Kings, and that you are coming back, Father God, for your people, for yes. your church, for yes. your bride, and the Spirit, and the Lord say, come, Lord Jesus, come, we ask you to come, and take over all of us, Father God, so we thank you for the privilege that we can call you Abba, Father, my God, my friend, my beloved. I love you, Jesus. We want to be with you forever and ever. We give you this time, Father God. Would you speak to us? Would you reveal yourself one more time? Would you penetrate our heart and reveal those areas that they don't belong to you, my God? Would you please set us free from whatever is not belong to you, Father? Would you use them for your glory, for your kingdom, for your name's sake, my God? So we thank you. We ask you, God, that you use your servant that you're using from the top of his head to the sole of his feet, yes. Father like God, to spread the gospel, to be bold and courageous, that he will never bow down, my God, that we will never bow down, that we will say, we will live, we will live for you, we will do whatever you call us to do, we will say to you, Lord, send us for your glory, for your kingdom, God, so we thank you, we give you glory and honor, in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. 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 amen.
2: You're the groom to the widow who
3: can't carry on. You're the dad to the orphan who's never known love.
0: Thank you, Lord, that you cried out, it is finished. Yes. We Thank you, Father, that you are the risen Savior, the Son of God. Yes. We thank you, Father, that you are seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Yes. We thank you, Jesus, that it's in you and you alone, Father, that we have freedom. Thank you, Father, that the hope that we have in you would never disappoint us. So I pray, God, that we would fix our eyes upon you. Father, as we open your word today, that we would be encouraged, Father. That we allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead us, and to, to teach us, and to strengthen us. we would continue to deny ourselves, that we would pick up the cross and follow you, not in our own strength, but as the Holy Spirit leads. So, Father, have your way among us and in us and through us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Third R, to release. The act of setting free or letting go. Three R's I've been holding up in front of us throughout the year, repentance, resolve, and to release. And the quotes that I've been sharing with you as we've talked about release are getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars. You have to let go at some point in order to move forward. Decisions sometimes prove to be the hardest to make especially when it's a choice between where you should be and where you really want it to be. Let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. It hurts to let go, but sometimes it hurts more to hold on. Let go of the past so that God can open the door to your future. When you finally let go something better, comes along and to heal your wound you need to stop touching it some scriptures i've shared with us as we've talked about release the act of setting free or letting go proverbs four 25, i'm sorry proverbs 4 verses 25 through 27 look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Do not get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Ephesians 4, verse 31 through 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Philippians 3, verse 12 through 14, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. In Job 17, verse 9, the righteous keep moving forward and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace. Which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. John 14 verse 27. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is the, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid, Matthew eleven verse twenty eight through thirty. Then Jesus said, "Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light." And then finally, John eight thirty six. So if the Son has set you free, you are truly free. To, to release. How are we doing with that? Letting things go. experiencing the fullness of the freedom of which Christ came to give us. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. We hold on too much of our past we're focused too much on our failures there's so many things that are bombarding our hearts and our souls and our minds day in and day out and we've got to be a people who are releasing who are letting go of the very things that are set out to destroy us but in christ if we're christians and our position is in christ we are seated With Christ, we have the victory in Christ. We know that yet though we are behind enemy lines, that yet though the world is getting darker and darker, God is for us, so who can be against us? And we can go forward each day living a life, not enslaved to what tries to bind us, but enslaved to righteousness in Christ. To keep our eyes focused and fixed upon Him. To honor Him with how we live, how, how we talk, how we serve. It's all for Him now. It's not for us. The Christian life, we came to Christ. When we accepted Christ, we died to our old life. And this life in Christ now, that is how it's to be lived. In Christ, to grow and to mature. Again, we're not perfected until we're with Him. But oh my, until we get there, we ought to be growing. We ought to be maturing. There's a level of freedom that we are experiencing day in and day out. And we are offering this freedom. This is the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel. Jesus came to set the captives free. And yet we know again that the world is totally against Jesus, The enemy is running amok. He's blinding the eyes of the, un, of, the, of the lost and the unsaved. There's a realm in which we cannot see. The Bible encourages us to know that, again, our, our battles, our, our fights are not with flesh and blood, but they're with the rulers and the principalities in the air and the darkness. Are you prepared to engage each day you how you need to be. And you recognize that the battle belongs to the Lord. And we pray not from a place of defeat, but from a place of victory that is found in Christ. Too many of us are looking at our circumstances and we see defeat, but we need to begin to walk by faith and not by sight. We need to begin to begin to claim the promises of God We need to begin to move in the power of God. And we need to begin to start letting things go that are hindering our walk and our growth and our maturing in Christ. Go to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. I've got some scriptures I want to encourage us in to persevere. It's vital that you're persevering. Each and every single day you're going to be challenged in your identity in Christ. You have to allow your roots to grow down deep into Christ. Or you're going to be swept away and taken from Christ. (laughs) Trust in the Lord. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do Do not depend on your own understanding Let's go on to verse 6. Seek His will in all you do and He will show you which path to take. To trust in the Lord with all your heart. You can't trust in Him if your heart is divided. If you haven't let go and release the very things from this temporal realm that holds your attention, that captivates your heart, you must have a whole heart towards him. Seek him and you shall find him if you seek him with your whole heart. We got a, a lot of half-hearted Christians today. And they're not making an impact because they're not they're not focusing with their whole being. They got one foot in and one foot out. The word of God says trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding seek his will and all you do and he will show you which path to take go to Isaiah chapter 26 Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3 The Word of God declares, You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Listen to the scripture. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. How has your thoughts been this week, this morning? The past hour, are they fixed on Christ? You see, it's not just on a Sunday morning that you put your thoughts towards Him. No, it's every day. It's throughout your day. It's who you are. It's who you are becoming. You're growing in deeper and deeper and more intimate fellowship with your Creator. As you get to knowing, are your thoughts fixed upon Him? Or are your thoughts fixed upon your circumstances, your lack, your hurt, your pain, your past. Your thoughts ought to be towards Him. Go to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. Verse 19. For I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This is God speaking. He says, I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. This is God, you all. He makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's doing something new in your life. Do you not see it? Can you not see Him make it away? That's why we're called as we open up in Proverbs 3, we're not called to lean on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, acknowledge Him. To live for Him wholeheartedly. To release the things, to let go. And as we've been talking about the three R's, repentance is vital, that's the foundation. Then you get up, And you begin to move forward, you begin to resolve, you begin to make up your mind. And as you're following Christ, you're beginning to let things go. Not clinging so tightly to the things and to the relationships that hinder you. But trusting in the Lord and seeking Him above all. Mm -hmm. Go to Romans chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 13 through 14. Romans chapter 8, verse 13 through 14. For if you live by the dictates of the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your spiritual nature you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Let's look at verse 12 as well. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It is through the power of the Spirit you put to death the sinful desires, that old nature. It's not in and of yourself. But it's through the Holy Spirit whom you have received if you are a Christian. And if you're not a Christian, I keep saying I don't know why you're not. God is pleased to reveal himself to you through his son Jesus. His will is that none shall perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And it's this new life in which you are living, not in and of your own but in and through the power of the Spirit of God who is within you if you have received Christ. This free gift of salvation. Again, as we know, it's not God stiff-arming us. It's the created stiff-arming God. The created is claiming to be the creator, and we're not. We are the created, and we must know that in and of ourselves, we would only live for our sinful desires. Me, myself, and I. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And look at this grand, beautiful hope that we find in verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Romans eight twenty eight. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Listen to the scripture. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Doesn't matter what you're facing, doesn't matter what may come up in this week. God is working out all things for the good. And it's in what Scripture says. For the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you are a child of God, if you are a Christian, then you know that you are called out by God, that you love God, And that you can trust that no matter what your circumstance looks like, it will work out for the good. Because God is in control. So don't get caught up in defeat. Remind yourself that your Christ is victorious. And yet that which you see now is not how it's going to end. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 17 of 2 Corinthians. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life is. Has begun. Amen. This is the hope again that we have in Christ. The old has passed away, the new is coming forth. And in this new life, you can't cling to what's behind. You have to let it go. You have to release. You have to understand the freedom of which you have now. And of the freedom that you have, that you receive through Christ that He purchased for you through the shedding of His blood. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Colossians chapter 3. Verse 2 to 3. Let's start at verse 1. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. To release the act of Setting free, being set free to, to let go. To trust in, to hope in Christ and all that He's accomplished for you. You are a dead man. You are a dead woman if you are in Christ. You're not longer living by the dictates of the flesh. No, you've been in power now to live a life. And listen again to these scriptures. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Again, as we've talked about scripture, scripture just can't be, just, we just can't be hearers of the word. We have to be doers of the word. Hearing the word does you no good. It must be applicable to your life to live it. What does it mean? Are you setting your sights on the realities of heaven each and every single day, moment by moment, hour by hour? Listen, the enemy is not letting up, the world is not letting up, your circumstances are not letting up, things are going to get worse. And people say, Well, what hope is there? Jesus, Jesus. And so if you're not practically disciplining yourself daily and setting your sights on heaven, if you're allowing everything else to to captivate you, to draw you into it, and you're not disciplining yourself and and, and realizing what it means to, to set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand, to think about things of heaven, not things of earth. And to realize that you have died to this life and your real life is hidden with Christ and God. And you see the way the enemy perverts the gospel. We are told time in and time again and again and again that the understanding of how the gospel is going to be perverted and it's just going to continue to be perverted until Christ returns. And I've always encouraged us if you're hearing the gospel that's giving you the right to yourself, run from it, flee from it, because the true gospel gives you the understanding that you are to be dead to yourself. You've died and, and you've been raised up into a new life in Christ. And it's not a popular message. And we see it from the beginning till the end. That those who are walking with God, trusting in God, who are setting their sights on heaven, they're not really welcome in this world. They will never be because Christ wasn't Mm welcomed, And we even see that after His ascension into heaven after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, after we see that the twelve went out, (laughs) turned the world upside down with the message of the gospel, when we see how Paul was raised up in his generation to declare the good news, where we see churches are being planted throughout the earth, we see how the world reacts with such hostility But we understand that darkness can never extinguish the light. And so we're not trying to find our comfort here in this world. And that's why it is vital that we learn to release the things of this world that are clinging to us, that that are holding us back. We're called to live a new life. And I love... I'm, I'm going to take you to Luke. I've been meditating on this scripture this week. Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Jesus on the cross, bearing the, 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 the consequences, and bearing the the wrath of God because of us. He knew His purpose. The purpose was always the cross. And I've encouraged us throughout the years. The cross, as as, as we understand, the cross was purposed even before God spoke and formed the earth. The fall of Adam and Eve wasn't, didn't take God by surprise. The cross was purposed, and here He is, our Savior on the cross. His body ripped apart. He's not even can He's not even recognizable anymore. He's taken the beatings. They spit upon Him. They slapped Him. They ripped His body apart. And blood is flowing. And he looks out at them. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. The power of forgiveness. A lot of people have not really received or really experienced the fullness of freedom that is found in Christ because they haven't learned to forgive. To let it go, to release it. Everything from their past and all their wounds and all their insecurities and everything else that made up their old life is still in control. And it ought not to be. Jesus looked out again and said, Father, forgive them. Some of us just need to go through the sweet. And begin forgiving people. Letting it go. Getting up from it. Stop allowing it to identify you. And begin to walk in the identity in which Christ has come to give you. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. Oh, if we would truly trust in Him. If we would truly know Him. If we would truly allow our roots to grow down deep. Into Him. Oh, the life that we would experience in Him. As He's living in and through us. To accomplish His purpose. His will. This is your life now in Christ. To be about our Father's business. To advance His kingdom. Through His power for His glory. To be those who are working and serving until the day He returns, that we would be the people of faith, honoring Him and trusting Him as we're going forth in our day-to-day interactions with others. Not just because we go to church, or not just because we do this or do that which is right. has nothing of us, but it's all of Him. Like, do you truly grasp the understanding of who He is? why he came and endured what he endured. All for the sake of freedom. That you would be reconciled back to God, your creator. That you, as Romans 5 says, I can now be at peace with God. Through Jesus Christ. Do you understand what it means? to know that you're at peace with your creator. You understand that those who are not at peace with God through Jesus Christ will endure his wrath. His wrath. And yet we go out and we run up we run them up. We we celebrate rebellion in the minds of others. And we don't deal with the rebellion in our lives. We we hide it. (laughs) You know how we need to deal with the rebellion in our hearts. And how, how we ought not to be running amok. Celebrating the rebellion in the lives of others. When you truly understand the wrath of God. That's coming to this earth. As I've been saying over the years. It's like we're living in a weird end time Christian movie when you really understand where we're at and and the history of humanity, when we finally see the setting up of the one world structure, when we see these teachings and when we see all these things that are taking place, that are aligning up to usher in the Antichrist, I mean, for years, I mocked at it, I laughed at it, I always heard about it. And I can't believe I'm living in a day and age when it's all being set up. It's all planned and it's all purposed. And oh, how, we, oh, how I pray that our eyes would be open. That we would discern the times in which we are living. I've been encouraging us. We can't just do church as we've done church. Do you know how many people are showing up for church today? It's just a Sunday routine for them. Do you know how many people are sitting in church today? They don't know Christ. They're just superstitious. How sad. But we understand that the path and the road is narrow. <laughs> but the, the the gate is wide for those heading towards destruction. And how sad, because God is pleased to reveal Himself to us. God is pleased. And so when we think about repentance, when we think about resolve, when we think about release, when we think about growing, when we think about maturing in christ and what that means for us oh how i pray that you would take it to heart that you would take it to heart and that you would go forth this week and meditate upon the truth of the word of god that you allow god to continue to reveal himself to you through his son jesus jesus says i am the way i am the truth i am the life there's no other way to the father there's no other religion in this world that's going to lead you back to your creator and bring you peace. Peace, nothing missing, nothing broken. I can't keep encouraging us enough. Don't settle for anything that's going to rob you of your peace. Protect what you have received. Hold fast to Christ. Hold tightly to, to Christ. Christ. And I ask, keep asking you as I ask myself day in and day out, how are you living? Living as one who has found peace with Christ or living as one who was just broken, one caught up in the temporalness of life, knowing good and well there's nothing of this temporal world that's ever going to satisfy you. Oh, it may give you a moment of satisfaction, but it will always leave you empty. It will always leave you. It will always leave you to a place of desiring more of it. And all along, it's just killing you. So, to truly understand what it is to mature as a believer, again, it's just not going to church, it's living it out. You know, when I look and through the New Testament, for even the Old Testament, if you want to look at the prophets and how what they had to endure. I mean, God called them up, sent them forth, knowing good and well that the generation was not going to listen. And you say, well, God, why would God do that? Because God will always give the created an opportunity to knowing. But God will not force the created to love him. And every generation, God raises up a people to bear His image, to bear His name. And as we have seen the church, as she has been released upon the earth now, (laughs) bearing the image, speaking the truth, and she's being slaughtered for it. More so now in our generation than any other generation But where's the hope in it? Christ. Because those who know truth, those who apply truth, not again in their own strength, but as they're empowered by the Holy Spirit, can walk by faith and not by sight. There is a way in which we are called to live. And we are called to go forth and to serve and to love. I keep encouraging us. Everyone has a right to live wherever they want to live. People can choose Christ or they can deny Him. We don't hate people who deny Christ. They have a right to live however they want. But we as the church have a right to live as we are called to live. And we ought to be going forth. And again, I always encourage you, preach the gospel to yourself first before you try to go out there and preach it to anyone else. You live the life. You uphold truth. When the enemy comes in like a flood, raise up a standard of righteousness. But raise it first in your life before you try to go out there and raise it up for everyone else. You live it. You believe it. You understand what it means that repentance is a continual thing in your life to resolve, to make up your mind every single day. Because again, your mind is being bombarded every single day by everything that's out there. We love nothing more than to captivate you. But we understand the truth of God's Word where it says, how does He transform us? By changing the way we think. This is the living Word of God. And then as we're getting up and as we're moving forward, then we are releasing. Oh, how I pray. It's been my prayer this year, not only for myself, but for all of us, that we don't get to December December 31st and there's been no growth in our life. And the reason why there would be no growth is because we didn't apply any truth. It is the truth that sets us free. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be laughed at. People are not going to be understanding, but it doesn't matter. You keep pressing, you keep growing. It's going to get more difficult as the days keep getting darker and darker, but it doesn't matter. You keep allowing the fan to flame the the the, the, the flame the, inside you, so that you would burn even brighter. That you would go forth and not get wrapped up in all the chaos that's out there. All the brokenness that is out there. And you be a voice in the wilderness calling people to be reconciled to God through Christ. You go forth when everything else is out there screaming that there is no God. You be the one that's pointing people to God through Jesus you've surrendered your life to Christ. That you understand what it is to live for Christ. That you understand what it is to, 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 to grow in Christ. To allow your roots to grow down into Christ. And people should see a difference in you. People should begin to see that way something's changing within you. And you can't point it to yourself no, you only can point to Christ. I remember my beginning walk in Christ as I, as I began to walk it out and begin to live it out. My friends didn't quite know what to do with me. But I trusted Christ. I knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing. And yet though they would invite me out or yet though I would go to this place or that place with them, I knew that no longer did I feel comfortable there. It's not who I was anymore. It's not that I became better than them. It's just not where I needed to be anymore. You have to learn to let it go. You have to learn to grow. You have to learn. And it was hard. I'm not telling you this walk is easy. Jesus himself tells us it is not easy. This walk goes against everything that you are. Everything that you feel, everything of that old nature, you were born into a nature that is a complete rebellion to God. That's why I've always said, you're not going to wake up one day and be like, oh, I think I'll think of God. No, that doesn't happen. Your nature wants nothing to do with Him. Nothing. But when God is pleased to reveal Himself to you through Jesus, you can't help but to look at Him. You have to decide. He's not going to force you. He didn't force me to get up and to follow him. He just revealed himself to me. I wasn't even looking for him. You weren't even looking for him. He's just pleased to go, here I am. And it's it's his desire that we would know him, that we would come to him. He says, love me. Receive from me. I'll give you everything you need to live this life that I'm calling you to. But trust me, he knows that it's not easy. Dying to yourself never is. Picking up the cross never is. Following him never is. And that's why I keep telling you, but you're going to hear that. You're going to hear these false gospels being peddled out there, trying to deceive many but you're to remain in Christ. You're to remain firmly in Christ, growing in Christ, trusting in Christ. You know, my friends mocked me or laughed at me or said whatever they wanted to say in the beginning, yes, it hurt. As I was growing in Christ, I didn't fit in in the old world. And I didn't even fit in in the church because the churches I were going to, they didn't even want me there. They didn't know what to do with someone who came out of the gay lifestyle. To have pastors look at me and men of the church look at me and tell me, you're not welcomed here. You're just going to be used by the devil to pervert the men in the church. What kind of craziness is that? I could have listened to them. I could have been wounded and hurt and poor me and poor me and my poor life. But my hope was not in being accepted by man. My hope was not being accepted by my old friends. My hope was in Christ. He's the one who was pleased to reveal himself to me. He was the one who stepped in. In the moment of where I was going to end my life. He was the one who who gave me life and life in the full, even though I was so broken. He was the one who kept whispering truth. Truth. He was the one. And yet though all this stuff was going on in my life, yet though all these people didn't quite know what to do with me, God knew what he was doing. And as it was for me, so it is with you. Not everyone's going to understand, but trust in Him. Grow in Him. Because in the end, you're not going to stand before everyone else. You're going to stand before Him. And it's not that He's a bad God. (laughs) He's just going to know, did you love me or not? Did you you just cling to the templeness of life? Or did you cling to me to get you through life? And now on the other side of it, look for eternity. You're with me. Listen, y'all, there's such an amazing future ahead for us. This is yet but a moment in time. This is just but a moment. Here today, gone tomorrow. But for eternity.
2: Eternity
0: to be with your creator. To be with him. The one who formed you, the one who fashioned you, the one who numbered all the hairs on your head that knows everything about you, who planned you, who purposed you to be with him. And yet, if we settle for ourselves if we settle for rebellion, if we settle just to keep going our way, then that's what we get. We got our way. And for eternity, we're set apart from him. Again, not because he's a bad God. It's just that we're a wicked, rebellious creation who chose to say he's not God. So we have to wake up. Again, you can just look at everything that's going on around the world. It's the most chaotic times on the face of the earth. But we know from Scripture, this is just the beginning. I mean, Jesus himself even says, Oh, listen, this is just the beginning. No, it's going to get a lot, it's going to get a lot worse. It's only going to get crazier. And then you say, okay, well, what's the hope in it? Christ. There's work to be done, you all. That's why you can get up every single day, and I can't keep encouraging you enough. You were created for this generation. You were created for today. You were created for the days that are coming. As long as you have breath in your body, you were created to make a difference. You were created to make a difference. And why do you think all hell... (laughs) Is trying to keep you down. Why do you think all the circumstances around you and all the pain and everything that you've had to endure from the past has tried to strip you bare and keep you walling around with me, myself, and I? It's trying to hinder what God, the word of God says that he's prepared good works for you to do. And those good works are for him. And so everything is out. I mean, think about what you had to endure this week. The desires, the thoughts, the, the attitudes. Like, did you deal with how they came? What did you do when things were just going? When you, ought, when you were doing things that you know you ought not to be doing, but hey, everyone else is doing it. When you know things are happening that you just shouldn't be giving yourself to. Like when you have thoughts going on in your heart and your mind, when things are just going about, did you, did you think of yourself more than you thought of others? I mean, how did you live this week? So you ought to give thought to your thoughts. You ought to give thoughts to your actions when you realize, wait a minute, I wasn't created for that. Oh God, you created me for something more. To make a difference. To impact the lives of others. And that's what I always tell you, Christians, if you're a Christian, you should be the best workers. You should be the one serving others. You should be the one going above and beyond. And you can say, well, they didn't do it for me. Well, then you see you're not thinking like Christ. And so ask him, to mature you in that area so that you can grow and stop, figuring, stop worrying about how you can get it when it's not about you getting it, it's about you just giving it. Freely. As you've received, you freely give, not expecting anything back because you may never get anything back from anyone. And that's okay. It's okay because you know you're living in a fallen world. And again, it's not about taking up residence here. No, it's about knowing where your residence really is. It's there. It's coming. And so you can freely go. I mean, that's why I get so inspired by the persecuted church or people who are truly living out their faith because they can endure all these things knowing that this world is not their home. That they're just passing through. And Christ has called them out. And so while there is breath in their bodies, they live for Him. And oh, how I pray that you're living for Him. Oh, how I pray that you're putting these three R's into practice. Oh, how I pray that you're experiencing the fullness of Christ in your life. And if you're not, don't beat yourself up. But get before Him. And I would just challenge each and every single one of us this week just take the time to be still. And just ask Him, God. Here I am. Speak, Lord. Let I me mean, turn off your social media, put down your phones, turn off the television, get away from everyone, and just sit. Because he longs to speak to us. He longs to reveal himself to us. And it doesn't matter how bad you've been or where you've come from. Like he could take the worst of the worst and clean them up and turn them around and then send them forth.
2: Let him be God,
0: you all. Again, it's not easy. Because everything out here is against that within you. But you must remember, greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. He will bring about what he has purposed if you would just surrender your life to him and trust in him and believe in him. Second Samuel is where we're heading. Let's walk through the scriptures. Let's get to know our God. It's the whole reason why we're walking through scriptures, some in the Old, some in the New, Psalm and Proverbs, is that we will know our God. As we know him, so we'll live for him. So if he's not God, if he's not the God, then we're not going to live for him. We'll just be flippant about him. Here today, gone tomorrow, in the church one hour, out the next. But when you see him for really who he I can't, I wish there was some way that I could do it, but I, I'm just man. It is only God that can reveal himself to us. Like when we truly get to see him for who he is, there's no error found in God. Oh, how I pray that you, all of us will get to that point. I mean, I, I told you before, So I had so many accusations. I had so many issues with God my whole life. <laughs> but then when I truly began to see him for who he is, he, he just helped me just... You just humble yourself before Him and you realize there's no error found in you. And why would you love me? Why would you step out and reveal yourself to me? Because He loves us. Because God is love. And there's no place that we have gone or been or no way that we've acted or anything about our old nature... That he goes, nope, there's no hope for them. No, he's constantly pursuing us. Like he's constantly, day in and day out, revealing himself to us. Just We can look at creation and go, there's a God. There's so many things, day in and day out. And that he gives us his living word. And I know people have issues with the Bible. <laughs> Man will always try to find a reason to keep God to the side. Bob oh, man wrote the book. Listen, there's no way men, throughout generations of generations and generations and generations, could put this together perfectly, and then begin to see it all come to pass. There's no way. Like I had all the accusations towards God, had all the issues with the Bible. But man, when your eyes are open, when you really begin to see, like, wow. You know, I told you before in the beginning, when I would first try to read the Bible, I, think, I open up and I'm asleep within a few minutes. There was always this wrestling that, that wouldn't allow me to, to get in the Word. I mean, already I hated to study. I hated to read. There was nothing a part of my old nature that I wanted to learn. But when I realize, and as I've shared with you before, when you come to Christ, the question to ask now is who am I now? Because I know how I would live. I know what I would do with my inclinations and my desires and all this junk that is within the rebellious person. But if I'm not to live that way anymore, then who am I? This is who you are. This is the mirror. That's why in James, in the book of James, it says, look intently in the mirror. But don't turn away from it and walk away and then forget who you are and what you look like. No, that's why you're not just to a, a hearer of the word, you have to be a doer of the word. So the word of God kept, inspired by the Holy Spirit to reveal to us His nature. And then not only to reveal to us His nature but our identity in Him. Again, when you've realized everything about you is in rebellion towards God. That's why you can sit and you can talk to people and they will unleash on you everything all these accusations about God all the accusations about the Bible all the accusations about the church and on and on and on And on and on it can be exhausting so there's no need to fight with people their eyes are blind you pray for them you sow the seed you water the seed it is not your job to harvest it the Bible says that's the Holy Spirit's job you just sow the seed you just water it you don't have to force anyone to come to Christ you just keep living your life before them. You keep honoring Christ. And even when you fail, you get up and you pick yourself up and you move on. You allow them to let them see what it's like to fail. Because you're going to fail. There's going to be times and seasons in your life. But that's not where you ought to remain. <laughs> You've got to get up. You've got to press on. Because again, we're behind enemy lines. There's a war going on out here. That's why I love what I posted this morning. God didn't call us to a playground. He called us to a battleground. You are to engage daily because daily it's engaging with you. Everything that's out there is in complete rebellion towards him. But as you get to know him, and again, as you begin to understand how he's worked from the beginning to the end, You get to understand his character and who he is. And you just go, wow, you don't have to force me to serve him. Like, I willingly surrender because he's God. And how great he is. And as you see him, oh, you'll live for him. As you see him, you realize I don't have to go out and try to prove that there's a God to anyone. I could just live my life loving him. I know people are going to hate me because of it, but that's okay because they hated him.
2: But do you know
0: him? And that's why we're going through the word. Do you know him? From the beginning to the end, God's purpose to have a people that he will call his own and in return they will call him their God. Their God. And their generation. And their moment in time. They will live for God. I mean, do you understand? That that, that just blows my mind. And you were, you're purposed. You're purposed. So know your God. Grow in your knowledge of who he is. I'm, I, pr- I promise you, if you get in here and you just start reading it, you just start asking the Holy Spirit, okay, God, I don't know this. I don't know anything about this. But God, I'm going to trust that I'm hearing your word I'm gonna trust the fact that, okay, you wanna reveal yourself to me? Then reveal yourself to me. And begin reading. Man doesn't have to do anything. Let God show you who He is. And at the end, you have a choice to make. That's why I love, I love, I love when I hear these testimonies of these, I mean, atheists, I mean, these well educated, I mean, these men and women who set out to prove there is no God. We watched that one movie about that one guy. But it always fascinates me because they are hardcore atheists. And yet, in their pursuit to establish the case against God, that there isn't God, they come to know God. And their lives are forever impacted with truth. And at the end of these desires to prove that there is not God, that come to God. And now they're impacting a generation, uplifting the name of God. So let God be God. Trust in Him. Seek Him. And you'll find Him if you'll seek Him with all your heart. The Word of God, 2 Samuel chapter 4. Again, 2 Samuel is all about King David. What's the importance of King David and David being established on the throne now of Israel? Is that God in the beginning, in the garden, said to the serpent, there's going to come one who's going to crush your head. The Messiah, Jesus, was already announced there. And so God set a people aside for himself, the Israelites. And as we've walked through the Old Testament, we've seen the people of God come in and come out, come in and come out. First they're with God, now they're against them. Then they go out and they want to be like the other nations. And God has told them all along, you're not to be like the other nations. I'm your God, I'm enough for you. No, they say you're not, we want what they have. And so we see all of this taking place. And then remember, they demanded a king because all the other nations had a king. But yet, God was their king, but He wasn't enough for them. So God gave them what they wanted—King Saul. But actually, Saul wasn't the one really purposed. It was always David who was purposed, and it was from the David—it was from David's lineage—that Christ would come. And now we finally see it all come together. David now is on the throne. And so chapter 4 of 2 Samuel. I'm going to read through chapter 6. When Ishbosheth, Saul's son, heard about Abner's death at Hebron, he lost all courage and all Israel became paralyzed with fear. Now there were two brothers, Bana and Rechab, who were captains of Ishbosheth's raiding parties. Remember, Ishbosheth was Saul's son who was on the throne. <clears throat> a very weak man. Now he's paralyzed with fear as well as Israel. So these two guys, Bana and Rechab, they were sons of Rimon, a member of the tribe of Benjamin who lived in Beoroth. The town of Beeroth is now part of Benjamin's territory because the original people of Beeroth fled from Gideon, where they were, where they still lived as foreigners. Saul's son Jonathan had a son named Mehisobeth who was crippled, and as a child, I'm sorry, was crippled as a child. He was five years old when the report came from Jezreel that Saul and Jonathan had been killed in battle. When the child's nurse heard the news, she picked him up and fled. But as she hurried away, she dropped him, and he became crippled. One day, Rechab and Banna, the sons of Rimen from Beor, went to Ishboseth's house around noon as he was taking his midday rest. The doorkeeper, who had been s- shifting wheat, became drowsy and fell asleep. So Rechab and Banna slipped in past her. They went into the house and found Ishbosheth sleeping on his bed. They struck and killed him and cut off his head. Then, taking his head with them, they fled across the Jordan Valley through the night. When they arrived at Hebron, they presented Ishbosheth's head to David. Look, they exclaimed to the king. Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of your enemy Saul, who tried to kill you. Today the Lord has given my lord, the king, revenge on Saul and his entire family. But David said to Rickab and Bema, The Lord who saves me from all my enemies is my witness. Someone once told me Saul is dead, thinking he was bringing me good news. But I seized him and killed him at Ziklag. That's the reward I gave, I gave him for his news. How much more should I reward evil men who have killed an innocent man in his own house and on his own bed? Should, should I hold you responsible for his blood and rid the earth of you? So David ordered his young men to kill them, and they did. They cut off their hands and feet and hung their bodies beside the pool in Hebron. Then they took Ishbosheth's head and buried it in Abner's tomb in hebron then all the tribes chapter 5 of israel went to david at hebron and told him we are your own flesh and blood in the past when saul was our king you were the one who really led the forces of israel and the lord told you you will be the shepherd of my people israel you will be israel's leader so there at hebron king david made a covenant before the lord And with all, I'm sorry, with all the elders of Israel, and they anointed him king of Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in all. He had reigned over Judah from Hebron for seven years and six months, and from Jerusalem he reigned over all of Israel and Judah for 33 years. David then led his men to Jerusalem to fight against the Jebusites. The original inhabitants of the land who were living there. The Jebusites taunted David saying, "You'll never get in here. Even the blind and lame could never keep I'm sorry, could keep you out." For the Jebusites thought they were safe, but David captured the fortress of Zion, which is now called the City of David. On the day of attack, David said to his troops, I hate those lame and blind Jebusites. Whoever attacks them should strike by going into the city through the water, water tunnel. That is the origin of the saying, the blind and lame may not enter the house. So David made the fortress his home, and he called it the city of David. He extended the city, starting at the supporting terraces and working inward and David became more and more powerful because the Lord of heaven's armies was with him so remember that it's all not by David's strength it is through Christ it is through God who is strengthening David to accomplish what God has purposed. then King Hamron of Tyre sent messengers to David along with cedar timber and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built David a palace. And David realized that the Lord had confirmed him as king over Israel and had blessed his kingdom for the sake of the people of Israel. After moving from Hebron to Jerusalem, David married more concubines and wives, and they had more sons and daughters. These are the names of David's sons who were born in Jerusalem. And I'm not going to butcher those names, But there they are for you. And I have told you before, we're going to see that David, and the Bible describes David as a man after God's own heart. But he's not a perfect man. He's given himself over to many concubines, to many wives. He's He's doing things that he ought not to be doing. And we're going to see as his reign progresses that that all catches up with him. So I share that with you to understand this. There may be active sin in your life that you think you're getting away with, but in the end, it's going to wreak havoc on your life. God will still bring about what God has purposed. We're not perfect perfect people. We're not going to be perfected until we are with him. David should have known better. And ultimately we will see when David should have been at war he remained at the palace and then he looked over and saw her Bathsheba Bathsheba. shower taking a shower and then he sent for her oh listen lust and perversion is an issue And it's vital that we deal with it, no matter whether we're a man or a woman, that we deal with it, that we do not let lust and sexual desires be that which is driving us. And that we just give ourselves to anything and to everything. God created sex, and sex is good between a man and a woman, his husband and a wife. That's how God has always ordained it. Man just gets involved and corrupts it. And it actually corrupts us. So we must be understanding. We must understand David at this time, the area in his life that wasn't totally surrendered. He was giving himself to all these women. When the Philistines heard that David, verse 17, had been anointed king of Israel... They mobilized all their forces to capture him. But David was told they were coming, so he went into the stronghold. The Philistines arrived and spread out across the valley of Rephaim. So David asked the Lord, and I love that we see this. David just didn't go to war just to go to war. He always sought the Lord for instruction. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And the Lord replied to David, Yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. So David went to baal and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. And look at that. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. Again, David didn't take the credit. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named the place baal which means the Lord who burns through. The Philistines had abandoned their idols there, so David and his men confiscated them. But after a while, the Philistines returned and again spread out across the valley of Erethim. And again, David asked the Lord what to do. do. Do not attack them straight on, the Lord replied. Instead, circle around behind and attack them near the popular trees. When you hear a sound like marching feet in the tops of the poplar trees, be on alert. There, That will be the signal that the Lord is moving ahead of you to strike down the Philistine army. So David did what the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Chapter 6 then David again gathered all the elite troops of, Iz- of Iz- in Israel, 30,000 in all. He led them to Bala of, of Judah to bring back the Ark of God, which bears the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies, who was enthroned between the cherubim. They placed the Ark of God on a new cart and brought it from Abanir's house, which was on a hill. Uzzah and Ahio, Abanir's sons were guiding the cart that carried the Ark of God. Ahio walked in front of the Ark. David and all the people of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, singing songs and songs and playing all kinds of musical instruments, lairs, harps, tambourines, castanets, and cymbals. Something's wrong with this picture, though. If you understood about the Ark of God, it was never to be carried on a cart. God specifically instructed them that they were to carry it by picking it up from the poles. But they put it on a cart. But when they arrived at the threshing floor of Nacon, the oxen stumbled, and Uzzah reached out his hand and steadied the Ark of God, Then the Lord's anger was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him dead because of this. So Uzzah died right there beside the Ark of God. And David was angry because the Lord's anger had burst out against Uzzah, and he named the place Perez-Uzzah, which means to burst out against Uzzah, and it is still called today. Now David was now afraid of the Lord, and he asked, How can I ever bring the Ark of the Lord back into my care? So David decided to move the Ark of the Lord into the city of David. Instead, he took it to the house of Obed-Edom of Gath. And the Ark of the Lord remained there in Obed-Edom's house for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and his entire household. Then King David was told, The Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's Household and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of obed edom to the city of David with great celebration. After the men who were carrying the ark, they got it right this time, after the men who were carrying the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, David sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. And David danced before the Lord with all of his might, wearing a priestly garment. So David and all the people of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts of joy and the blowing of ram's horns. But as the ark of the Lord entered the city of David, Michael, the daughter of Saul, looked down from her window. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she was filled with contempt for him. The Lord brought the ark of the Lord, I'm sorry, they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in a place inside a special tent. David had prepared for it, and David sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings to the Lord. When he had finished his sacrifices, David blessed the people and the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Then he gave to every Israelite man and woman in the crowd a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins. Then all of the people returned to their homes. When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, how distinguished the king of Israel looked today, shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. And David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord, who chose me above your father and all of his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord, so I celebrate before the Lord. Yes, and I am willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be humiliated in my own eyes. But those servant girls you mentioned will indeed think I am distinguished. So Michael, the daughter of Saul, remained childless throughout her entire life. you understand the significance of everything that's happening in just these few chapters, and you're getting an insight to, to King David, and you're getting the insight ultimately of God's purpose and plan for David's life. Again, the Messiah, Jesus, will come through the line of David. David's throne is established, but ultimately it's Christ's throne that would be established throughout all eternity. And we understand and we see that now this this beautiful picture of the people of God, the Israelites, worshiping God, trusting in God. They now have a ruler that is righteous, a man who seeks God for instructions, a man who honors God through his worship, and he's not going to allow what others think of him to hinder him in his relationship with God, because he knows his God. Remember where we found David in the beginning when we were reading scripture? He was out tending the sheep, worshiping God. This isn't just a show that he's putting on. This is who he is, and he's been that way since a young boy. He's a worshiper, and he knows that God has called him. He didn't arrive on the throne by his own doing. He got there because God purposed, God planned. Go to John. Nope, yeah, John chapter 13. We're going to read 13 verse 31 through 14 verse 14. John 13, verse 31, through fourteen fourteen. As soon as Judas left the room, Jesus said, The time has come for the Son of Man to enter into His glory, and God will be glorified because of Him. And since God receives glory because of the Son, He will give His own glory to the Son, and He will do so at once. Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now. But you will follow me later. But why can't I go now, Lord? He asked. I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus answered, Die for me? I tell you the truth, Peter. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And then Jesus continues, verse of chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, oh God, listen to this. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will will always be with me where I am. And you know the way to where I am going. No, we don't, Lord. No, no, I'm sorry. No, we don't know, Lord. Thomas said, "We have no idea where you are going, so how can we know the way?" And Jesus told him, "I am the way, the truth and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If I had really, I'm sorry, if you had really known me, you would know who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him." And Philip said, "Lord, Show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. And Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Jesus believe, I'm sorry, just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it, do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, yes. Ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. These are the words of Jesus, you all. He's about to head to the cross. Remember last week, he turned to Judas. They were sitting down at the Last Supper. He tells them, listen, there's one of you that's going to betray me. And they were arguing amongst themselves. Who's it going to be? Who's it going to be? And then, remember Peter said to John, hey, ask him. And so John leans over and asks him, like, hey, you know, who's it going to be? And Jesus tells them, the one in whom I dip the bread in and give to. And so he dips it and gives it to Judas. Do you remember he looked to Judas? And the Bible says that's when Satan entered Judas. And Jesus says, go do what you have to do. God's in control of all of this, you all. God's in control of everything. Even the crucifixion of Christ. God is in control of it. There's not anything happening on this earth that God is not in control of. It doesn't take any, There's nothing that's happening it's taken him by surprise. It's the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy but it's God who has come to give life and life and abundance. And these disciples, I can't even imagine. I mean, they were living in oppressed times. The Roman Empire, the way the Romans treated them, I mean, their hope was for a, a physical Messiah to deal with the temporalness of life. They didn't fully understand what all this was about. And yet Jesus is revealing himself to them. And I just I love it as we see it here. I love it that we see even Peter here. I mean Jesus is telling them, and Peter's like, "What? No? I'll die for you." And Jesus looks at him and says, "Yeah, no, Peter, you're not. In fact, you're going to, have to deny me soon." Then he says, I'm the only way. And, and, they're, and they're like, what? What? If you would just show us. it's like, But I've been among you. And then we see it. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. And even greater works. Remember what I said earlier? The Bible tells, tells us that God has prepared good works for us to do. Jesus already knows that he has to go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. And he's going to send forth the church throughout the whole entire earth. Jesus could only reach just a certain sector, an area. He knew this message had to go throughout the entire earth. And it would be done by the Holy Spirit empowering the church. To do the works in which God created the church to do. And just before, just before we close here in this portion of scripture, if you think that because Jesus says, ask for anything and I'll do it for you, like some people have perverted the truth of God into believing, it's not what he's meaning here. Like when you're true, when you're truly a follower of Christ, you realize that if I'm going to ask something, it's not from my selfish self-driven need no i'm asking in accordance and in agreement with the will of god and i know god will honor it not because i'm asking it because god honors his word god is faithful to his word so it's not about demanding and you said you'll do it you said you'll give it to me that's not the attitude of a follower of christ the attitude of the follower of christ is one that is humbly submitted to christ that understands the will of the Father. And so when we ask in Jesus' name, we're in agreement with the will of the Father that his will would be done. It's not to go forth and live a life. Bless me, bless me, do for me, do for me, Jesus, do for me. Come and get, do everything and you know, bless that and bless this. And it, we make it this weird thing that people look at and go, what is that? So understand the word of God, you all. and we're going. Next week is when we're going to see and really lay out the promise of the Holy Spirit. But just remember as you go forth this week, Jesus is the way to the Father. There's no other way. I've encouraged you before. You can go out there and look at all the other religions that are out there. I have. I was involved with a lot of them before I came to Christ. And you know what's interesting? When you go out and you look at all these other religions, I've told you this. But you can go search it for yourself. They all have truth in them. They all have some forth of some sense of truth. They have just enough, but they don't have the fullness of it. It's been distorted. And so they've taken truth and they build something off of it. And in the end,
2: it's nothing.
0: And that's what the enemy wants. He wants to try to pervert it all to keep people captivated, lost, and damned. But we must remember his purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Jesus says, but I've come to give you life and life and abundance. And that's why I always would encourage you all, why would you choose to deny him and go after that? which is leading you nowhere, when he's the one that says, come unto me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You know? Deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. I'm going to see you through this. Psalm 19. Psalm 119, I should say. Oh, the book of Psalms. Oh, how I pray that you're finding comfort in the book of Psalms. Psalm 119, verse 17 through 32. This is the longest psalm in the Bible. Psalm 119, 17 through 32. I've always encouraged you as you open up the book of Psalms to to look up. These psalmists were as transparent as, as, these, as men can be. They, they, they went through it. They endured through it. But everything that they've endured and gone through, they looked up. They remembered God. They trusted God. They knew their God. And so how I pray that you would be encouraged as you're reading through the book of Psalms. And I've always, I've I told you as well, freedom, true freedom comes from true transparency. First before God and then before man. It's, and, I, and I've said this over and over. It blows my mind how many people are sitting in church, just going to church and yet living a life tormented. Living a life enslaved to secret sin. Living a life that's not even honoring God. And somehow they, 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 they feel this need to be perfect or to put on a show or just show up and do the religious works. And yet live such an ungodly life and a life that's not even honoring God. And how sad. Because that's not what God has for us. He wants us to be a free people. A people that know who he is. And all that he's done for us. That no matter what we're facing or what we're going through, that we can look up. And that we can have our hope in him. Verse 17. Be good to your servant that I may live and obey your word. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Oh, is that not a beautiful prayer? I'm only a foreigner in the land. Don't hide your commands from me. I'm always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. You rebuke the arrogant. Those who wander from your commands are cursed. Don't let them scorn and insult me, for I have obeyed your laws. Even princesses sit and speak against me, but I will meditate on your decrees. Your laws please me. They give me wise advice. I lie in the dust. I love this. Revive me by your word. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments. And I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. I cling to your laws. Lord, don't let me plead don't let me be put to shame. I will pursue your commands, for you expand my understanding. Well, wow. the psalmist knows their God. Oh, that you would know your God. And I love where we, we, we it was just like on repeat, where he says, by your word. By your word. By your word. Listen, you should have a devotion time. Sunday's not just enough. This is daily, you all. You must being in his word. Not because you're forced to. Listen, there's nothing about your Christian life that needs to be forced. It should just be a free desire. It's just a desire. Like, I long to be in your word. Like, I long to worship you. Along to be in fellowship with others. You're not forced to do all that. When you're
2: forced,
0: it's not a relationship. It's just religion. And religion is never going to save you and it will never transform you. It never will. But in a relationship, you just freely do. When you understand the grace of God. When you understand that it's by His grace that He transforms us. When you understand his mercy, that is the mercy of God that is towards you. When you understand all that he has done. I mean, that's why I love the book of Psalm Again, these men, they endured, but yet they kept looking up. And I hope how I pray that you'll keep looking up. Proverbs 15, where we're ending. And I thank the Lord for the strength to get through today. I didn't think I was going to be able to get through it. Proverbs 15, verse 31 through 32. Two nuggets of wisdom. The book of Proverbs is the book of wisdom. Find a month that has 31 days, take a proverb each day, and read through it. Asking for wisdom, asking for understanding. But here's two nuggets. Verse 31 through 32 of Proverbs 15. If you listen to constructive criticism, you will be at home among the wise. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you will grow in understanding. Oh, how I pray that we would be people who will listen to correction and grow in understanding. End us with this song of worship and then I'll close us in prayer.